is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. Today, I am so excited to have as my guest, Jamie McKinney of Jamie Empowers. She's the author of the book, Speak Up Sister, The Professional Woman's Guide to Confidence and Success. And what she says is after surviving and thriving through heavily male-dominated industries, she jokes that her stilettos have steel toes. Welcome, <laughs> Jamie. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, and one of the reasons why I thought you would make a fantastic guest for my show is because in the conversations we've had, uh, I just, I love what you talk about as far as confidence and how important that is. And let's just start there because that's really what I see that you're all about is just confidence. So let's just dive in. Thank you. Yes, let's, shall we? Um, I love talking about confidence because I learned very early in my career uh, that it was my secret sauce, almost like my secret weapon at the time. And it wasn't something that I really talked about a whole lot then uh, because new in my career, I mean, you know, I was learning a lot. And as I gained more traction and gained more, gained more timing, I just continued to see it be this critical factor in my success and then also in the success of, of other women that I started to observe in the industry as well. When I started out, Don, I was the third female to join a team of 400 people um, in the automotive industry. And, <laughs> you know, it was my first job out of college. So I had no real business experience. I hadn't grown up in the industry, so I couldn't, you know, tell tales and stories of I was in pigtails running around my grandpa's shop. You know, I, I didn't have that. And I was the youngest by on average 20 years. And then the other place where I stuck out is that I had a college degree and a lot of their aging workforce did not. So if you wanted to pick out which one of these things is not like the others, it was definitely me. And especially with that college degree, when it occurred to many of them that I was being groomed, you know, to be moved up quickly and could potentially be their boss, you can only imagine the shenanigans. And if you could see me, you know, I'm making air quotes around shenanigans, right, that ensued. And, you know, with the lack of industry knowledge and technical experience, I mean, it was it was a fast learning curve, but I had to go into these meetings and and start my stuff in the meantime, right? And so I did that using confidence. I said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you push me around. I'm not going to let you try and intimidate me because I have a job to do and I'm here to be successful. And it, and it worked. And once I figured out that rhythm and that pattern, um, I really started to study it. And I started to look into some of the neuroscience behind it. And, you know, what is confidence really? And who has it and who doesn't? And how do you get it? And then fast forward uh, in my career about 10 years and I, I switched industries and I found myself again in heavily male dominated, although not quite as male dominated, that was in oil and gas and energy. And then this is where things really started to get exciting because the women in oil and gas are so smart and they're so, they're just, they're brilliant. I mean, they can do these complex calculations and algorithms in their head. I mean, all sorts of things I have no idea how to do. Um, but I noticed that they had struggled, they struggled in speaking up and in sharing and showing and demonstrating that brilliance beyond just what was in a report or sent in an email. 
And it was detrimental to their careers. You know, they were getting passed over for promotions. They were getting passed over for, for bigger opportunities. And so this is where it all kind of starts to come together as taking what I had learned and implemented in my own career and teaching this to other women so that they could do it too. Oh my gosh. What, what an amazing story. And I bet you have a lot of stories. I can only imagine. So so tell me about the 20 something Jamie. And because I I mean, some of us have a natural self-confidence, some of us don't, but still, you know, 20 something Jamie goes into this heavily dominated male industry, you know, 397 Mm -hmm. of her teammates are male. And Uh and so how did you, how did you manifest, you know, how did 20 something Jamie manifest confidence with whatever you knew, whatever experience you had at the time? So part of it, that's a great question, Don. Part of it was, I mean, initially it was my survival mechanism. I mean, I truly did not know any better. And I got into these meetings and, you know, one thing uh, important to mention is that prior to, you know, I kid around and I say prior to the testosterone towers, you know, that I entered, um, I came from an estrogen empire. I mean, I'm one of three daughters. I went to an all girls high school. I was in a sorority. I know my way around a sewing machine. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty, pretty girly. Right. So, um, in this environment, it wasn't like I grew up with a dad who was a football coach and brothers who, you know, we played rugby in the backyard and any of that. So when I got in there, I noticed how fast they wanted to try to intimidate me and they wanted to try to test me. And as I was learning, I just approached the situation, not defensively, but with curiosity and an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to use the criticism or I'm going to use some of these questions that they're throwing at me as an opportunity to learn rather than to cower. And there were times when, heck yeah, it was scary in the moment, you know, the inside of me was shaking, (laughs) but the outside of me just kept leaning on this curiosity piece and this learning piece. And I'm here to do my job. You know, I can't control what they're saying or doing. I can only control what I'm saying or doing. Uh, You know, in some of my presentations and workshops, I talk about your personal ETA, uh, which are the only three things you can control. And, And I speak about ETA, not in terms of estimated time of arrival, but rather emotions, thoughts, and actions. And that's really the only thing any of us have control over is our own emotions, thoughts, and actions. We can certainly influence, um, we can certainly impact others, but at the end of the day, we only have control over those three things. So as long as I stayed centered in that and controlling where I was, that gave me the freedom and the confidence to go into what was a somewhat harsh or intimidating situation and know I can't do anything about what they're doing. Uh, but I can stay centered in my own confidence because if I end over to the part where I'm losing my mind and, you know, in your brain, your amygdala is getting hijacked, I, I'm not doing myself any favors at all. And I really have to, I have to protect myself here in order to be able to survive and thrive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you share with us um, uh, like a success a success example from that time, like something that you're really proud of where you go, you know, yay me, you know, back then. And I won't say way back then. Uh, I'll just say back then. It was was more than a few minutes ago. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Sure. Well, one, you know, I've got a quick one and then a, and then a 
a longer one, but just, you know, you mentioned in the introduction, you know, I joke around that my steel, my stilet, my steel toes, my, oh, let me try that again. My stilettos are steel toed. Um, that was not my idea. That came from <laughs> an email that the, so my first day going out to an oil rig, um, I had an amazing boss. Amazing. His name was Steve. He was supportive of women. He was great. Uh, he was in the office. And when he sent me out to the rig, I remember when we were looking at who was going to take me on the tour, he went, Oh, <laughs> I went, what? And he's like, Jamie, this guy, you know, his name was Bob. He's a little rough around the edges. Just, you know, I wish I had somebody different, but just, you know, watch yourself. And I said, okay, you know, all good. So I emailed Bob the day before and I said, okay, I've got, you know, I went down the list of PPE, which is an acronym that now with the pandemic, people are familiar with this personal protective equipment, right? Uh, I had my coveralls, my hard hat, my safety glasses, my gloves, you know, all these things. And I said, okay, Bob, here's what I have. Anything else? You know, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. And he emailed me back, Don, and he said, all his emails said, and I'm going to directly quote, uh, don't be wearing them stilettos out here. That was the exact grammar that was used in the email. And I looked at that email and I was like, hmm, I don't think so, buddy. And this is after 10 years in automotive. So, you know, I had a little bit of a track record. And so I just replied to the email and I said, well, they're steel toed. So that's cool. Right. And hit send. Now, you know, that was definitely airing on the cocky side, not necessarily. <laughs> um, but I just thought, listen, dude, we're, I'm, I'm going to play this game with you because I'm here to do a job and that's not, that's not going to work with me. And uh, so that's, you know, that came from him that was inspired by Bob. And when I showed up that next day, uh, he just kind of did, you know, like the, looked up and down. And of course I had on the proper steel toe boots, which had pink piping along at, at the top. Oh, <laughs> and, and you know what, Bob was super cool with me. He really, he took me under his wing. He showed me around, he introduced me to people. I mean, I would have never really known he was quote rough around the edges had my boss not said that. And had we not had that initial email exchange, uh, but it took that level of, Hey, I don't, I don't think so. Um, so that, you know, so that there's one example. And then, but that was, you know, 10, 11 years into my career, one that happened in the first few months. And I'm so glad this happened as early as it did because it taught me so many lessons. I took over a territory for a gentleman who um, had just retired. He was in his 60s. He had been managing this territory, honestly, longer than I had been alive. And so, you know, I'm brand new. Some people ask, his name was also Bob, come to think of it. Uh, you know, I would walk into these places and some people would say, are you Bob's granddaughter? And I was like, no, not Bob. I'm Mike's granddaughter. You've never met him, but <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, but there was one, there was a, a jobber store, like a car quest store that I went into. And again, new to automotive, one of my first, this is the first time meeting this customer. I walk in and I said, you know, hi, I'm Jamie. I'm here to meet with Jim. And Jim comes out, Don, and he just starts screaming at me, screaming at me. You're the new paint rep. I've got all this. Stuff. And I, just, I was like, what is even happening right now? Like, we've never met. I literally just got to Colorado, let alone in this store. And I just, you know, I put both of my hands up to make a stop motion. And I said, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Time out, right? I said, your, your name is Jim, correct? And he said, yes. So I was immediately getting agreement, right? On something. Didn't really matter what. Yes. And I said, okay, Jim. I said, my name's Jamie. I am the new paint rep. 
I am here in place of Bob. I don't know what I, I haven't had. Any, I don't have any information about what happened before Bob got here. I'm here to help you, but I can't do that when you're speaking like this. Can we go sit down in your office and talk about it? And there were other people in the store watching this happen. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty outrageous. And he just, he looked at me and he said, yeah, okay. And so we went, you know, and we sat down in the office and we actually had a conversation and, you know, he was, uh, you know, founded in some of the things he was upset about. But, you know, what I learned on is again, back to that ETA, I had, it was, it could, there's no possible way it could have been my fault. <laughs> what had happened and what he was upset about. So I knew the what, I knew he was upset, but I did not know the why. And taking on that, that curiosity factor, you know, having a curious mind about it rather than immediately being defensive or matching that energy, that wouldn't have gotten me anywhere. Whereas to you know, be the disarming person and say, hey, I'm, I'm here to help you, but, but this is how I can do this. You know, setting up that boundary that worked. And, and I remember, you know, I left the store that day and I was shaking um, because that was, that was a lot for 20. I had just turned 23. That was a lot for 23 year old me who'd never lived out, you know, like out from Ohio. I'm in Colorado. I like, that was a, that was a lot, but I'm so glad that that happened as early as it did because, well, it didn't happen to that same degree, you know, other situations played out similarly. And I was like, okay, I've been here before. I know how we do this. Um, so it was something that kind of just came together in the moment, but so many lessons learned from that experience. That is a great story. And the two things that I take away from that, that first, the first one is the fact that because you were so brand new and you hadn't had any information from Bob about what was going on with Jim, you had that absolute foundation knowing you were, you were not at fault here. You, you were not at fault. And that does help, right? Because if you'd had some of that information or there had been a relationship with Jim, you know, business relationship that you could have gone to easily that place that we so often can of mm -hmm. what did I do? Crap. You know, did I say something wrong? Did I not do this? Did I did it? And we make it about ourselves, but because you had that, um, immediate understanding that this is so not about me because how could it be? Um, mm -hmm. So fantastic because then that did give you that foundation of going, oh yeah, this is like this other thing or <laughs> what if it is like that other thing where it had nothing to do with me? Maybe it absolutely has nothing to do with me. So, so yep. yay that. And then actually, there's three things I want to, to that, that struck me about that story. The second one is your ability to be calm in, in the moment and, and just say, you know, hey, um, there's four things <laughs> I'm doing this. Right. The third is, <laughs> is that's a great sentence. And I really, you know, we're all about communication at the Schulter Group and effective, effective communication. And yep. that idea of, you know, I want to help you because that really does put this, this, I, I, I want to say boundary, but I'm going to use boundary as my number four thing that struck me, but that, that whole, I really, it's that space. I want to help you. I want to help you. Yeah. So let's be solution oriented yeah. rather than focusing mm -hmm. on the problem. And then yes, that fourth thing is the fact that you, you, you put a boundary there and said, 
I deserve to be treated with respect. You said it differently, but that's really, I can't do it if you're talking to me that way. Um, and, and obviously what all of that together really, you know, sunk through for Jim and you were able to have a productive conversation. So, um, absolutely like fantastic and good on you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, the one I talk about, uh, so there's, there's an, I, I'm a huge fan of acronyms and puns and things that rhyme and play <laughs> words. And sometimes they're really corny and awful, um, but they, they imprint and we remember them. So that's, you know, that's my goal. And there's one that I talk about and it's, it's the acronym is BAM um, and it stands for breathe is the B. The A is a double A, it stands for assess accurately, and then M is moderate, uh, which also, or mediate kind of referee, right? And and in that situation with Jim, what I really, you, I can use BAM and go through that again to say, you know, Jim comes at me, right? And, you know, it's your initial, our brains were built for survival. Our brains were built to react to stimuli so we survive. You know, we've come a long way since caveman days where <laughs> we had to be more, you know, a stimulus like that could be deathly, right? But we don't, in most cases, don't live in an environment where that's the case. But taking that deep breath, there's biology, there's chemistry, there's a, a vagus nerve that you're, you're telling to keep calm in that situation, that a breath is huge. And then assessing accurately is where you don't add any story to what's going on. So what did I know? I knew Jim was having a bad day. <laughs> we can write, that's a fair, that's a fair assumption. Um, but I again, back to that, I don't know, I don't know why he's having a bad day. I do know it couldn't possibly have anything to do with me because I had literally just gotten there. And then moderating is just repeating back what you know without any story. And confidence and our uh, propensity to create story are indirectly correlated. So the less confident you are, the more of a bad day you're having yourself, the more likely you are to create story. Whereas the more confident you are, the more centered yourself in yourself you are, you know, that you woke up that morning, you did some confidence exercises, you know, you went, went through the motions of establishing that for your day, the less likely you are to create story. Um, and to be able to, to weather something like that. So, you know, one of the things I work with my, my coaching clients on a lot is email communication. And when an email comes in and there's not a sarcasm font, I really wish there were, because I think that would solve so many, so many problems. Uh, Emails come in and check yourself when you're interpreting them about, all right, what kind of day am I having? Because, if you're already not having so great of a day, you know, for whatever reason, right? Like your kids are going crazy or you spilled coffee on yourself or, you know, the, the dog brought a dead squirrel. And I've just, you know, maybe examples from my own life. <laughs> you're already not having a great day. That email is going to come in and it's going to hit you harder than if you were having a good day. So lean on that double A of BAM to do an accurate assessment. You know, what is actually happening here? versus what story am I possibly creating around it? Uh, you know, one, one way is going to help you go in a better direction than the other. I, I remember um, this was years ago, and I, you're so right about the sarcasm emoji because it would just be so helpful. 
you know, I tend to use. You, it's implied sometimes, but really. <laughs> but, you know, not always. I mean, people that don't have a sense of humor and they take it literally, it's like, no, no, no. But so I end up using right. a little smiley emoticon. And normally I, not normally, but as a professional, I wouldn't want to do that. But it's like, so sometimes I feel like I need to, to, to just make sure it's clear or soften it. So that, or not soften it because it needs to be softened, but so that it's not taken harshly. I remember right. years ago sending an email to my graphics designer and it was something like, do you think you could take a look at this, you know, today or tonight or something? And, and I, for whatever reason, I stopped and I, I said it out loud. And the way that it came out was, <laughs> do you think you could take a look at it tonight? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I so need to rewrite that. They rewrote it, sent it to him, and we were on the phone the next day. And he's he was a good friend, is to live. And I said, so I this is how I was gonna send it. And and he's like, that's so funny. He says, I don't think that I would have read it that way, but now that you say it that way, I can so see that that it could be taken. And so mm-hmm. just that whole that yes, that pausing, that breathing, but also reading it out loud to you know, can it be said with a snarky you know tone of voice? Yeah, right. potentially rewrite that rephrase that yes well and what what an empathetic and compassionate approach that that you took Don right I mean what what you said I mean just in very just literal terms like you meant exactly what you said and nothing more right but not knowing where your designer might be you know, you took the extra step to say, mm, <laughs> how can this be? You know, that was another lesson that I learned over and over again. And this is going to come no big surprise whatsoever. Men and women speak different languages. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> right, there's a newsflash. Um, and, you know, the, the way that and I don't know how, how deeply we want to go into this. I'll let you I'll let you guide me on it. But uh, there's a lot of social conditioning and even some DNA pieces that lead up to now we're in a boardroom, now someone's speaking this way or teasing that way. And men and women, generally speaking, have been raised and brought up very differently. So men can like throw vitriol and, and you know, very snarky things at each other, but it's a compliment. You know, it's kind of like opposite day for them where, you know, like, hey man, I can't believe you still drive that piece of crap. Or, you know, like, hey, you've been hitting the dominoes pretty harder. I mean, like, women would never say those things to each other, right? Never. (laughs) And yet sometimes, (laughs) I mean, you and I started out today before we were recording with like effusive compliments to each other, right? Like, I love your hair. I love that purple color on you. Like, this is what, right? And it doesn't, the translation doesn't cross over. But what, again, what I had to learn is, you know, the isolated variables that being the only female was men would say things to me. And my initial reaction was like, are you serious, man? But then I'm like, oh, wait, that's their way of connecting with me. That is their way of being nice. And, you know, this, this totally exceeds the, like if someone crosses a line or crosses a threshold and it's something that's disrespect, like that's a whole different story. Um, that, you know, exceeds the scope of our conversation today. Like if a line is crossed, that needs to be addressed. But if it's within that, hey, they're just teasing and they're just playing around, you know, that's where you can either, you know, play with it, you know, like Bob and the steel toes, like there's an example of that, right? Um, or I had a guy, <laughs> I had a guy who said to me, I was doing a, a favor for him. I was riding in this charity uh, 
bike ride because he had hurt his thumb and he couldn't he couldn't ride. And I had just gotten married, just come back from my honeymoon. I hadn't trained. Um, we'd ridden before, but he was like, hey, can you fill in for me? And I was like, oh, my gosh, sure. It's not time. It's for charity. Fine. I mean, Don, it was not my finest performance. I was sucking wind on this whole ride. It was about a 60-mile ride. And I got to the second-to-last checkpoint. And he's there, and he had wa- he had water for me. And he, he looks at me, and he goes, well, Grandma was slow, but she was old. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm doing you this favor. I am, I've ridden 40 miles. I like, I've come, I'm not doing great, but you know what? I had no, you know, whatever. And I just, so I kept out. I don't think I even said anything to him because I didn't have any energy. I maybe just rolled my eyes and kept going. And I repeated this story to my parents later. And it was fascinating because when I told them this, simultaneously, my mom went, oh, and my dad laughed. <laughs> and I was like, what? And my dad, is a, he was a retired firefighter. So he had, you know, his, his time at home with the four of us ladies for 48 hours and with my sisters and I, and then he had his 24 hours in the fire station um, and then repeat. And I was like, you're laughing. And he goes, Jamie, he was teasing you. He was just teasing you. And my mom was like, oh, I can't believe he said that to you. And it's just a great example though, right? I mean, he had every intention. And so I did actually, it was like months later, um, I was having coffee with him and I was like, hey, do you remember when you said this to me? And he was like, I said that to you? And I'm like, oh yeah, you did. <laughs> he goes, oh my gosh. He goes, that was kind of a, I'm going to use nice words here, nicer words. He was like, that was kind of a jerk thing to say, huh? And I was like, yeah in the moment it kind of was and he's like I'm so sorry Jamie he goes I didn't like mean it he's like you were doing me a big favor and I'm like yeah that's what I thought too um <laughs> so you know you did again back to this curiosity or just like the you know he he meant well the intentions were good uh you do have to kind of you know call things out at certain times but just recognizing hey we could have differences here and how do we work with these rather than against these, because against is only going to lead to frustration, whereas with could lead to potential collaboration and a solution, like you said earlier, Don. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it's funny talking about that, that uh, the, the difference between, you know, men and women and the languages they use and just their behaviors. And, um, one of our clients is a cybersecurity firm and was working with their executive team. So of course, I'm the only female, right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And the, uh, the CEO, one of his favorite things to say is, does Google not work in your house? And, um, <laughs> and, and I love it. I, and I started using it here at home when somebody asks me a question. It's like, oh, but anyway, um, there was something he asked and I just quickly went and Googled it. I mean, we're talking, this is not my industry. Like cybersecurity is not my industry. And I look it up and I'm like, Sean, does Google not work in your house? Because I just found this whole thing. And, <laughs> and, and then everybody else on the, you know, on the executive team, you're like, whoa, she got you, Sean. And, and but it was, oh, boy. and well, because I've been working with him for, you know, a year and a half. Right. There, there's, you know there's, that you can, yeah. you had that relationship. So my question to you is, you know, if you've engaged in such kind of like, the banter, right? Do you feel like you've got this sense of 
freedom because you're not going to do that, you know, with a girlfriend, right? You're certainly, you know, not, not to that level, right? And so just, yeah, just a question. Do you, is there, if you do engage in that kind of banter, do you feel a sense of freedom or a, yeah, this is different because I can't do that in this other realm? I, you know, I think it, uh, that's a good question. It always defaults to, and this is, this is what I, how I coach my clients to, what is your authentic self telling you and feeling in the moment? If it feels like a space where you can be confident and you can hang and it's respectful and it's appropriate and it's kind of jiving with the vibe, then yeah, go for it. If, if it's not, or, you know, also being empathetic and aware of who's around you. And, you know, just because you and one other person might be able to communicate that way, but not everybody in the room might be on board, uh, then, you know, your default, it, it's, you know, professionalism, respect, authenticity, like those are always the places that you want to default to. So you really have to know your audience. Um, and if, you know, if, if you're going to take some leeway or you're going to take some risk, you know, really know your audience um, to make sure that everybody still stays above board. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, yeah, that emotionally intelligent, right? Being aware of mm-hmm. yourself and others and, and all of that. Um, so you talked about, and we may have touched upon this already, but I want to make sure since I know you, you do mention this in some of the you know, places on your, your website, and your profile, the confidence formula. So can you say something specifically about that? Sure, sure. So the confidence formula, um, the first piece of it is really focusing on your own confidence account. Uh, One of the questions that I like to start out some of my presentations with, if confidence were a currency, what would your balance be? What would your balance be? And, and I want to you know, invite you to think about confidence as if it were an amount in your bank account. You control it. I mean, it's funny, Dottie, you and I were talking about this before a call started, right? With your bank account, like if you feel like it's being depleted, you're freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. That's not, this does not lead to a confident space, but you're in charge of it. You have the password. You can set up the two-factor authentication. You have control over it. And when somebody else or a situation is trying to deplete your confidence account, all of us have the ability to say, no, no, that's not your, you don't have authorization for that account. I get to make the decisions on it. I did get to decide how to invest in it, how to grow it and, and where to spend it. And you know what, if this person or situation coming at you is not worth spending your confidence on it, then that's totally your call to say, nope, I've got this. This is my account. You don't have access. So it's a, my, it's a huge mindset piece. Um, but it, we all have the autonomy to decide and we all have the autonomy to invite those thoughts in. Or, you know, like I, I like to tell my clients, this is just, just try it on. Just see how that works. This is not like an outfit that has to be stuck forever. Um, I joked around with a group of young ladies I'm coaching on Monday. Did you see the episode of Friends where Ross put the leather pants on and they got stuck and he couldn't get them off? I'm like, this is not like that. <laughs> this is not like that. Just try it on. And see how it feels afterwards. See how you feel afterwards. And just notice if your investment acumen, if you will, for your confidence account goes up after you've approached it that way. So that's, that's one piece of it. Um, the other piece is getting out of your comfort zone and trying things. 
And there's a phrase that absolutely makes my skin crawl and I can't stand it. And it's what a lot of people tell themselves when they're getting out of their comfort zone. And I'm going to, I would like to suggest something better. Um, but that phrase is, okay, good. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> it is like nails on a chalkboard to me, Don. Nails on a chalkboard. And this is why. What we're telling ourselves, the story that we're telling ourselves is our truth and it is our reality. And I'm going to skip over the, the neuroscience of what's actually happening in your mind while that's going on. But there, there's things that are actually changing in your pathways, in the mental world you're creating when you're telling yourself that you're faking it or that you can't. I mean, when you, if you say to yourself, I'm just going to fake it till I make it, I mean, that's, you're, you're implying that you're fraudulent in some way or that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing or that you have no business doing it. And none of that is true. You're not fraudulent and that you're trying it. None of us knows how to do something perfectly the first time or the second time or the 74th time that we do something. So instead, what I like to suggest is that I still am a fan of the rhyming, right? Like I said, so instead, let's say, I'm just going to rehearse till it's verse. I'm just going to rehearse till it's verse. And in thinking about that, I mean, you know, when a Broadway show has its premiere night, that's not the first time that they've gotten together to practice that. <laughs> they've had rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. And life is like that, too. So when you invite in that freedom and that grace of, hey, I'm just practicing, I'm just rehearsing, that gives you so much more confidence than to feel like you have to do it perfectly on the first time and that you're faking it. You're not faking it. You're doing it. So do it with that freedom to just explore and rehearse. And that's going to let you, that's going to let you proceed with so much more confidence. And, and that rehearsal, right? There's, there's, it has to be that first rehearsal. There has to be that first time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, I remember where I, I put myself through college um, doing temp, temp work. And, you know, it's like the, the summers, the, the long winter to break, winter break between semesters. And I, I hated the first day because I didn't know anything, right? And I, I, I always try to get longer term assignments so that I wasn't doing a new thing every day. And temp agencies, would, would anybody even know what temp agencies are anymore? But, you know, I'd, I'd go to that, that first day. And yeah, I'd, they're, they're called the gig economy. <laughs> yeah, freelancing, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but you go and, and you don't know anybody and you've never been there. So you don't even know how the office is laid out and how they do the phones or just any of that. And, and I wouldn't necessarily on that first day go, I hate this. It would be like the second week or whatever. And I'd look back from that first day and I'd be like, oh my God, I hated that. But in the day, in that first day, I wasn't knowing I was hating it. It was just more my right. looking back and going, I knew nothing. And and boy, I wouldn't want to be in that place. But you have to have that first day in order to get to the second, in order to get to the third. Um, you know, it's true with any endeavor, whether, you know, it's a hobby or, or, or it's the profession you decide to go into. Um, you know, the first time, you know, I taught, you know, because I came out of school as a teacher, you know, there was that very first time I got up in front of a class. I mean, I had taught all my stuffed animals since I was five, but that didn't really count. <laughs> or maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe it didn't count. Um, so, so I think that's, I love that. Rehearse it until it's verse because, and then just also realize there has to be that first time and you cannot expect yourself to be 
where you would be when you've done it 20, 30, 100, 200, 1,000 times. And you might look back and go, oh my gosh, it was awful that first time. Well, yeah, and that's okay. Yep. And, and that's, that's actually a good segue to another piece of the confidence formula is that preparation for whatever that first is is going to help you. Um, until you do it, you're never going to know, right? You, you have to, you always have to, you still have to do it, but in preparation, you know, like you taught your stuffed animals. I mean, that's, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but that you were practicing. I mean, I've joked around that like my dog can, can recite my presentations because I practice them. Um, I say them out loud. I'm walking around my office and, um, you know, because that's, that's the level that I, I want to deliver. And, you know, when it looks easy, it, it's not because that's the first time somebody did something. Typically, when something looks easy, it's because somebody has done it over and over again. You know, watching the, the Super Bowl just a few weeks ago, Tom Brady, who has thrown more passes than any other quarterback, right? You know what he's doing on the sidelines when defense is in? He is still practicing. He is still throwing passes. And that man has done it more than anybody else. Um, but that's that's his jam, right? That is why he is the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, um, because he has rehearsed until it's first over and over and over again. Exactly. And we can do that same thing. While it might not be as a quarterback in the NFL, um, there's all kinds of things in our, in our personal life and our professional life that when we put that priority to it and when we say, hey, this is, you know, I want to be the expert in this. So that means dedicating that hours that means practicing that means learning and that means embracing it with curiosity like you said when you showed up at the office instead of being like I hate this you were you said you know I'm curious right I'm just I'm going to learn I'm going to find out about this stuff and there's only one way to do that exactly um I remember there was this neat juggling video that was probably uh, you know going around about 15 years ago and it's to the um the guy's juggling to the medley a Beatles medley um and I can't think golden slumbers and and there's there's it's there's three of them together and the guy's juggling and I just remember thinking um how many balls he has probably dropped throughout because you know, <laughs> he was yeah. doing it perfectly right it was beautiful and then I think I did I I saw him interviewed on on the tonight show and he's like yeah you know when I first started juggling I started juggling with um beanbags or, you know, like the little, little beanbag things. And because he says they don't roll away because when you're starting out <laughs> and, and you're dropping the balls and then you got to go get, get them because they've rolled away. And, and what I took from that is it's like, and I actually wrote, I wrote an article and again, this is like 15 or so years ago, but it was something about setting yourself up to fail easily. In other words, mm, he like knew he's going to drop the balls mm -hmm. and they'd roll away and that would take longer. But if he did beanbags, they would just drop, he could pick them up and just get, get going without too much delay. So he said, he knew he was going to have some failures. So he set it up to where he could fail more easily and, yep. and get past that and um, Man manage his risks. Yeah, I like it. Exactly. Exactly. So um, so Jamie, if you had one tip to give our listeners in developing their confidence, what would it be? I, you know, I'm going to default to that. Try, try something that scares you. Do the thing that scares you. Do the thing that you've got a little trepidation or that thing that you've been thinking about for a little while. So the next time here, here's, here's a perfect call to action, exact call to action. 
the next time you are in a meeting, either in person or on video chat, like you know most of today's meetings are, and you start to feel that little that the butterflies in your stomach that I have something to say, but I'm afraid to say it. Challenge yourself to say it. Spit it out. Get it. Get it out of your mouth. I wrote a book called Speak Up, Sister. <laughs> I would love to have you check that out. To, you know, for even more tips and tricks to get you there. Um, but say it because I promise you, you will come out victorious on the other side and that will help you do it again the next time and the next time. And you know, when you've got that thing, like you're, you know, your instinct knows, like if you, when you start to feel those butterflies, that means, Hey, this is an opportunity cr to create that visibility. We haven't really talked uh, much about the broken rung today, but this is one of the areas where, you know, women in particular struggle and visibility is one of the ways to mitigate that. Um, so get those words out because that, I mean, that is your catalyst right there. And that's your indication. So do that. And I promise it will, it will build some confidence. It will create a foundational block for you. If not add on to a strong foundation that you already have. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. That's a great, great tip. And because we do, we, we have those times where it's like, you know, especially some of us women can have the good girl, you know, or the, you know, be quiet, don't make waves, don't, you know, um, if you don't have anything to mind, <laughs> anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then we know that, and I think of it as, am I going to step over that? Am I going to let that still, still be there? Kind of like, you know, if you have a dog, I have a cat, <laughs> you know, do you step over the mess that they just made and ignore it? Or do you actually <laughs> do something with it? And, um, yeah, so it's, it's that, that's what you're saying. Don't step over it, actually, you know, get it out there. And uh, because otherwise you're going to regret it, right? Oh, I should have spoken up. I should have said something. So we yeah. don't want on our tombstone. Yep. She was really quiet and good. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, a, a, closed, a closed mouth never gets fed. I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, phrases that we can put to it and just basic, you know, base just speak up speak up sister we want to hear what you have to say the world deserves to hear it and you know this is where your gifts this is where your brilliance are so where, where your brilliance is uh, so get get that out because um, everybody wants everybody needs to hear it don't don't keep it bottled up in there oh that's fantastic Jamie I have enjoyed this so very much beyond can you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you Yes, absolutely. Uh, the best place is go to my website, which is jamieempowers.com. So J-A-M-I-E empowers.com. Uh, there is a place where it's, you, know, you can connect with me, you can contact. There's also a heading that says resources. And under resources, there's a drop-down box, there's videos, there's a variety of things. But in particular, the, uh, what I wanted to offer to the audience today is there is a free online mini course and it's called the top five gifts of confidence what professional women know so anybody can go on there and it's about a 15 minute course but that's going to share the five gifts of confidence with you and a tip to unwrap that gift so to speak uh for each one so you're welcome to go there jamieempowers.com look under resources that is that sounds like a fantastic resource and also don't forget about her book speak up sister and I'm sure that that can easily be found on your website as well as Amazon, <laughs> I'm guessing. Yes, there happens to be links in both of those places. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. 
All right. Well, make sure you check out Jamie at jamieempowers.com. And I hope you found this episode to be as riveting and fascinating as I did. And just a lot of just rich information. So thank you again, Jamie. And until next time, may you thrive.